from ScoMo to Albo, but will it really make much difference? We'll look at how markets might react to a changing government in Australia today. But really, the bigger picture remains globally, inflation concerns and fears of a recession. How far will central banks have to go to beat the inflation? And when will we expect it all to ease off? Well, I wish we could answer both those questions, but James Bollard from the Fed reckons, well, we could be over the worst of it by next year without a recession in the US, he says. But who knows, really? All we can do is look at the numbers, and for the UK, retail sales surprised everyone at the end of last week, despite all the gloomy sentiment. It's Monday, the 23rd of May, 2022. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, the US dollar rose 0.4% on Friday, down 1.3% on the DXY over the week, though. Still, the Aussie dollar was at 1.4% over the week, oscillating above and below the 70 US cent mark. And after a small rise on Friday, it finished uh, just about 70.4 US cents. The euro, though, down a quarter percent on Friday, still 1.6% up over the week, but a fall on Friday. The pound managed to climb on Friday against the US dollar, but was still only marginally higher than the euro over the week. It climbed 1.8% against the US dollar. Stocks were pretty calm on Friday, well, uh, up and down during the day, but uh, only marginal gains on the Dow and the S&P 500 at close, but a 0.3% fall in the Nasdaq. It lost 3.8% last week, because it's been on its way down since December, really. Again on Friday, it was the UK showing gains with the FTSE 100 up 1.2% but still finishing down on the week. The DAX also doing well up 0.7% on Friday. And at the end of the week bond yields were falling in the US, rising in much of Europe. 10 years were down 6 basis points in the US up 3 for 10 year gilts in the UK. Over the week 10 year treasuries lost 13 basis points down to 2.79% whilst 2 years gained 13 basis points so a bit of flattening going on there and oil was rising at the end of the week Brent was up almost half a percent although with all the ups and downs very little gain made last week Brent sitting just under $113 so what of the week ahead well Sky Masters joins me from NAB in Sydney so Sky last week I mean it was all about recession fears wasn't it which has been uh, dragging down those uh, those 10 year yields so are we going to see more of the same uh, this week, do you think? Good morning, Phil. Good question. I, I think the, the bias for the moment for um, bond yields is is to head head lower. I mean, obviously, the data is, is key and, and that's going to drive um, the direction of bond yields. But, you know, looking at the price action on, on Friday night, um, you know, where you, you did have strong... UK retail sales data, strong um, German PPI um, report, all, all sort of coming in above expectations. And you continue to, to have the flow of hawkish central bank commentary. Um, you know, bond yields uh, sort of with little change to, to lower in yield. So at, at the moment, sort of the bond market seems in part to be ignoring some of the upside surprise to data and continuing to look forward, which bond markets do, um, and, in, and looking forward in terms of the, the risks of a recession in the US in next year or 2024. Um, and just one extra thing to add, I think the interesting thing to look at price action on treasuries on, on Friday was, again, the rally in treasuries is being led by inflation expectations. So BEIs were down again. So the 10-year BEI um, closed at 259 on Friday, which is versus its peak back in April of um, just over 3%. So inflation expectations are coming down. So central bank 
rhetoric is actually doing what what it's yeah. supposed to be doing. Um, well, I mean, maybe also they, you know, there's this belief that if we've had all these these positive numbers, maybe we are reaching a peak, which is possible, isn't it? I mean, who would have thought? Looking at those UK retail sales, I mean, we keep on hearing what a, a basket case the UK is. Uh, you know, the cost of living squeeze, and these figures were for the month when uh, uh, tax went up. Uh, they had higher energy costs as well because the, the you know the cap on energy prices had gone up, but people were still going shopping. So that was uh, that was a surprise. Yes, it it, it was. But again, you, you continue to see this trend that we've talked about before. Um, you know, consumer confidence is falling. So you know, the UK had a their consumer confidence report. It showed further further weakness. Um, but it's not yet feeding through into um, into spending um, data. And, you know, retail sales surprised in the UK, surprised to the upside. Well, the Bank of England has sort of been treading this fine line, haven't they, between talking about, you know, being quite hawkish and on, on the other side, you know, being concerned about what impact that might all have on the uh, the economy. So do they need to go slower? Uh, so I wonder whether, we, I mean, we've got Andrew Bailey who's going to be talking uh, today at a summit. So I wonder whether, you know, this this might actually uh, fuel a bit more confidence and allow him to ha- perhaps be uh, a little bit more hawkish than we've seen from the Bank of England of late. Um, possibly. I mean, the chief economist on, on Friday night was, you know, did deliver, a, 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 I guess, a more hawkish um, speech pointing to the need for further interest rate rises. Um, and, you know, he, he did note, what did he note? The balance of risks is tilted towards inflation, proving stronger and more persistent than anticipated in that baseline. So, yeah, I think I think you know, the BOE is is probably treading a, a slightly more cautious path, path than the Fed. Um, you know, I think they probably, you know, the commentary that, you know, they do see the need to take rates higher, um, but at a more cautious pace than, than the Fed, where, you know, we're obviously seeing ongoing hawkish commentary from um, from Fed members. Yeah, well, including James Bullard from the St. Louis Fed, uh, on the recession thing, he was, so he's talking on Fox Business on Friday uh, in the US. He doesn't think a recession is going to happen. He, he said it's only going to happen if there's a large shock to the economy. So obviously the uh, record high inflation is not a large shock as far as he's concerned. Uh, so I'm, I wonder whether that's going to become, you know, more the more the case that, you know, let's forget about the uh, the the potential for uh, seeing a downturn in the economy. Let's really focus on, on, on inflation. And the Fed keeps pushing that. And we just see rate rises. And it seems to me that's what you're saying. That is more what markets are reacting to right now. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you, if you look at bond yields, definitely. I, I think, you know, the price action over, over the last sort of um, couple of weeks where yields have, or at least in the longer end of the curve, yields have come off their highs, um, while, you know, front end rates have, have remained elevated. So you are seeing flatter curves, is that markets are looking at the, the prospects of, um, you know what happens next year. Um, we know we know we know central banks are delivering rate hikes now and will continue to. But what does it what's it going to look like next year? Um, and you know, I, I think for Fed Bullard, I mean, he he's not going to to suggest that you know they're going to send the US into recession. Um, you know, he's obviously going to want to play that line of a of a soft of a soft landing. Um, but I did think it was interesting how he. He pointed to the prospect of possibly lower lower cash rates in 2023 or 2024. Mm. Um, if, they go harder, if they go harder this year was his point, though, wasn't it? So if they get to three and a half by the end of this year, then uh, maybe they'll need to do less work next year. 
Yes, and and I think yeah, what will be interesting will be in September when the Fed updates its um, dot plot forecasts, and it, and it will provide new num numbers for in, a new year. So that'll be interesting for markets to see. Well, you know, what is the Fed thinking for two thousand twenty four? Um, will will they actually be thinking that they'll be cutting rates in twenty four? Which is which I guess is what the market is currently pricing. So it's going to be interesting this week, isn't it? To see those PCE deflator numbers for April there at the end of the week. We, we also get durable goods orders on uh, on Wednesday as well. Uh, but those inflation numbers, I don't think the expectation is that they're going to change too too much. In fact, year on year, because of base effects, they may actually go down a little bit. Uh, so, I mean, maybe people will be looking at that and saying, oh, well, perhaps we're, we're over the peak. But, of course, base effects could make that a bit of a bit of a mistake. But, you know, I mean, we're going to be watching that keenly. Yes. I mean, any any bit of inflation news is 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 watched keenly by by markets. Um, you know, you're correct the the markets are forecasting um, a pullback on the on the annual rate for PCE deflator. But in, again, it could it could just be a base effect impact. So. Yeah, you know, I, I think, and I think I've said it to you before on on previous podcasts that, um, you know, in a couple of months' time, I think it'll be key for markets to be seeing well what is actually happening with inflation. You know, we sort of the expectation was that it would um, head lower, the annual rates head lower um, now, given base effects at least in in the US. But you know, where does it where does it go to? You know, how how, how far do the sort of rates ease off from from their peaks. I think that's why, you know, Mester, Fed Mester said last last week that, you know, September will be important for the Fed. That's when they'll be, you know, they'll they, you know, potentially will have delivered two more fifty base point rate hikes. Um, they can they can reassess um, and they can consider, you know, the path from here and from there in terms of um, taking the funds rate higher. And Christine Lagarde, again, sort of concreting in that expectation that July is when the ECB are likely to raise interest rates, but probably only 25 basis points. It sounds like she's watered down any expectations that uh, that a 50 basis point rise could happen. Yes, uh, it sounds like, you know, a July hike from the ECB is, is pretty much a, a done deal, but a 25 basis point move. So, you know, I guess they're probably taking a similar sort of path that most central banks have on their first rate hike. Um, you know, I don't think anyone's delivered a 50. Uh, and so sort of a softly, softly start to the um, unwinding of, of easy policy. She can't do anything to reduce the price of a loaf of bread, uh, she said, because the interest rate has nothing to do with that at the moment. Do you know what? I bought a bread maker at the start of the lockdown. So I'm oblivious to the uh, to, to the price of bread, just the price of flour. <laughs> Is my concern. <laughs> now, look, the uh, the election, uh, we're going from ScoMo to Albo. Uh, that's very Australian, isn't it? Just as long as we have an O at the end. It was hardly a decisive victory. I mean, a third of the electorate, you know, didn't vote for either of them. I was looking at, to see what the, the share market reaction has been over the over the years. Last time when Scott Morrison won against the expectations, of course, last time, the ASX actually rose 1.7%, even though the Dow leading into that day had been fairly flat. Uh, and on the Monday, the Dow barely moved at all. So that was a, a separate move for Australia. When Labour was defeated in 2013, prices went up 0.7%. And back at the time of Kevin 07, shares on that following Monday hardly moved at all. So... Uh, what does that tell us? It tells us nothing at all. <laughs> does it really, Sky? Apart from the fact that there's probably very little reaction normally. And maybe that Scott Morrison surprise did drive the share market a little bit. But generally, 
I, I suspect there's not a great deal of uh, uh, that, that, that's influencing the share market, and particularly at this time when there's so many other international factors which are a bigger concern. Yeah, you're, you're correct, Phil. I mean, yeah, we, we have been asked this by, by investors, more, more so offshore investors heading into this election around, you know, is what's going to be the market implication? Mm. Um, and our, our answer has been very, very little, um, you know, and, and particularly, I guess, for, for going into this election where there weren't any really significant differences in, in, in policies. I mean, there were differences, but, but not really significant enough to impact the path of the RBA or, or fiscal, you know, the broader fiscal policy path. Um, so limited market reaction expected, although, you know, I did a similar thing to you yesterday. I, I did look at, well, okay, what, what have markets done the core over the quarter after the election? Just, just out of, you know, interest sake, mm. um, looking at bonds, currency and the equity market. And I looked at it on a relative basis um, because obviously global factors are an influence on our market as well. Um, and you know, if you get my daily, you can see the commentary and charts in that daily. But effectively, you know, it's a random walk over the over the three months after after an election. You know, sometimes you know Aussie bonds outperform, sometimes they underperform, sometimes mm-hmm. the Aussie dollar performs or outperforms, etc. Um, but one one interesting takeaway, and I'm not sure if you can really read too much into it, but when there's a change of government, again, it's a random walk for the performance of Aussie bonds and the currency. But interestingly, the equity market consistently underperforms in the three months after wow. a change in government. Um, now, I used a time series of just going back to 1993. Um, so over that period, um, there were 10 elections, three changes of government and one minority government. So not a, not a massive sample, but an interesting statement mm. or fact. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you got something out of it. It must have been very frustrating to do all that work and find actually, as you say, it's just a random walk. <laughs> Can't draw any conclusions. Well, I could have just been sipping champagne this afternoon. Uh, look, oh, I uh, know. I could have been doing something better on my Sunday, couldn't I? <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, th- this will be interesting. From QE to QT, Chris Kent from the RBA is giving a speech at the Kanga News Summit this morning. Uh, we also get Lucy Ellis from the RBA middle of the week too. Um, so what are we going to hear from the RBA? Is there any uh, any reason for them to be any more hawkish? Are we going to hear a change of tune at all this week, do you think? Um, I don't think we'll hear a change of tune from those speeches. I, I, I don't think they'll confirm or, you know, um, deny that, you know, whether they're going to do 25 or 50 basis points next um, next meeting. Uh, you know, I think the market's currently pricing, the last time I looked, it's currently pricing around a 40% chance of... Um, a 40, 50 basis point move in June. Um, but no, I, I don't really think we're going to gain too much insight from those speeches, but, you know, who knows? Yeah, and we get uh, GDP, a few GDP partials this week. We get uh, retail sales on Friday, uh, private capex and construction work as well uh, this week. So we'll see how the economy is faring. Look, if the UK can manage a rise in retail sales, given what they're facing at the moment, then that's not going to be a problem for Australia, I wouldn't have thought. So uh, let's hope they're all fairly positive. Yes, yes. Um, and I think, you know, the expectation is that, um, you know, those partials in GDP partials for Australia are going to be strong. 
Um, so that that is the expectation going into those numbers this week. And uh, the Davos uh, World Economic Forum kicks off as well, so uh, that'll no doubt be in the news as well. So an interesting one to watch in the background. Uh, good to talk, Sky. Catch you again very soon. Thanks. Thanks, Phil. Bye. Bunch of economists gathered together in one place. Of course, we're going to get one single definitive answer to all our problems uh, by the end of the week. Thank goodness for that. That's it for the morning call for today. I'm Phil Dobby for now. Back again tomorrow morning. Have a great day.